This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com. Our mission here at the Talking Taiao podcast is to inspire and support people, businesses and communities to value the environment and act to prioritise sustainability. We would like to highlight our region's efforts in acting as guardians of the land, Taranaki Tiaki Taiao, while weaving Te Reo Māori and Matauranga within our conversations to help our wider community learn through a positive, educational and uplifting lens. and welcome back to another episode of the Talking Tile podcast. I'm here with Marsha, myself obviously, Brittany, um, and we have a very special guest um, as usual in the studio today. So I'll, I will allow Brittany to make that introduction. Kia ora, welcome back. Um, I am excited to have Bina Denton here with us. Welcome Bina. Kia ora everyone, thank you. And I just want to give some background information about her organization that she's founded. Um, so Greenbridge, if you haven't already heard of Greenbridge, it's a wonderful locally founded organization. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read off some information about it. Greenbridge is a local award-winning impact enterprise that specializes in the design of regenerative landscapes and green homes. Their team of four have been running for just 10 years and are passionate about projects that span from urban gardens to lifestyle block and farm plants to community eco-villages in Teraneki and throughout Otira. Permaculture, regenerative, and organic principles underpin their work. So that's lovely. That's so cool that you're based here. And your work spans and, te- and reaches a lot of people in our region and, as you said, all over New Zealand. So um, we want to pick your brain a little bit, maybe take it right back to the blank slate, which you probably come up against a lot, people mm-hmm. with, what do we do with this field? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want to reach those people who might be scratching their heads and wondering how do we start because it's pretty overwhelming even if you have a small grass patch in your backyard how do I start this um so just to give you some background on Bina she's got a bachelor of interior architecture um she also did her diploma in permaculture and she has a certificate in organic horticulture and I'm aware that you've helped Omada School, the kids there, to develop their garden. So I've yes. seen your work, and it's amazing. Thank you. I'm really inspiring, um, going from like the young person all the way up to people who are working with lots of land and maybe really well established in their lifestyle blocks. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. I'm going to let um, Elvisa ask the first question, if that's okay. Of course. Um, so, question one. <laughs> What would you say to someone or um, anyone who has no clue where to start with their gardening journey? I was only mm. here at that point like three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
read a lot would be the start, I think. Just get out there, read lots of great books. Um, Kay Baxter is a really awesome permaculturalist in New Zealand and she's got um, yeah, a number of books that are really super helpful and that's actually where I started when I started growing my own food about 15 years ago and I had young babies and I really wanted to have healthy food in their tummies and I started that journey. So yeah, reading is a really great start um, and start small. Start small. Yeah. yeah, I've got a, I'm in a two bedroom unit and our backyard is probably about, oh, we'd be lucky if it's like 20 square meters, mm. but um, it backs onto our neighbor's backyard so we can almost see into their windows, which not that I do that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but like very limited space for growing stuff. But mm. there, um, I've managed to sort of trial and error because I didn't read books <laughs> when I first started. Um, and I learnt over time about where what grows where best. Mm. So after three years, I've learnt where my where lettuces grow the best in Great. my backyard, yeah. and where broccoli doesn't grow very yep. well. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think yeah, if I'd gone back and read a bit more, I'd probably would have um, wasted less time. <laughs> but that's a good that's a good point. Reading's always helpful. Yes. So how can people in our community learn more about growing? What's, you know, there's heaps of ways to go about this and mm. um, lots of courses and information available, but maybe we can talk about, you know, an easy way, first step. It's spring, you know, it kind of feels like it's yeah. time for planting now. Yeah. So. Well, uh, so going back to that starting small, you know, you can start just with a square metre and some herbs. If you have a handful of herbs um, every evening when your meal, then you're getting packed nutrients, probably the bulk of what you need each day. So that's a really great place to start. Just start with a square metre, grow lots of herbs, and then from there, I'm just thinking back, you know, just start with things like, you know, take the pressure off yourself. Start with buying your seedlings. They might not be organic, they might not be nutrient dense, but it starts and it takes the pressure off. Then start growing your own seed and then start saving your seed. So it's kind of, it's a journey really, and every garden is different. There's there's no one way to garden. so yeah. That's right. I agree yeah. with that too. That was something that I learned in my gardening journey is that mm. you can take advice from lots of people, but at the end of the day, it's your garden and it's how you, it's your area. It's Absolutely. your for your function. Yeah. And you probably come across that quite a bit with how to make it personal for somebody and, mm. and what's going to work for them. So it's a bit of social work maybe too. Well, definitely, you know, and when we do landscape designs, uh, it's it, it's sort of a three-way combination where it's what the client wants, you know, what, what are their needs, how much time have they got, what do they want to grow, and then that coupled with, well, what's, what's the site capable of growing and what mm. can it nurture? What, what's its highest expression? What does that landscape look like when it's healed? And then also my knowledge and experience as an ecological landscape designer bringing that creativity. So it's those three m- m- meeting in a melting pot, really. That's a, I like yeah. what you said about what the landscape is capable at its highest state. Yes. I, that's really fascinating, yeah. like another way to look at it. And it's mm. like, even if you have a backyard that's just kaikuya grass, you can look at it and be like... How many more native birds can I bring to this space? Absolutely. We just started finding skinks in oh, our garden. 
So great sign of a healthy environment. They yes. won't live in anything toxic. So and awesome. worms, heaps of worms. heaps of worms. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to start too. You know, dig a hole in your garden. What does the soil look like? Is it dark? Does it smell good and earthy like you would if you went into the nahiri, into the mm. bush? Mm. How many worms are there? And start with your soil. You can't grow nutrient dense food without having great soil. So it's a really good place to start. Yes, and you I won't talk about composting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a composting rant lately. <laughs> um, you mentioned just before about saving your seeds. What's mm-hmm. so? I've heard that you can't like if you buy a capsicum from the supermarket, you can't save the seeds from that and mm. try and grow. Um, so when you're looking for your seeds in the supermarket, you'll see a little, um, if you're looking for it, a little F1, which means it's hybridised and it's not open pollinated and it will not, you know, you won't be able to grow further seed from that. So some really great places to get good seed is the crop swap, which Francesca started. Um, you know, your neighbours or your friends that also grow. And there's other places like Kahakatea Farms or Kong Institute, which Kay Baxter runs. And they all supply really great seeds. Yeah, yeah. So, the, and there's heaps of places to get organic produce that's locally. Mm-hmm. If you want to just purchase it, Down to Earth has some. Yep. Um, in the local market, Carl Freeman. You mm-hmm. know, the, we've got a whole plethora of people to access. And I think the journey for me started also was propelled by Crop Swap mm-hmm. because you can actually right. talk to yeah. the growers and, oh, these these are marigolds and I've had them on my property for many years and now I've got them on my property and you just keep, you continue it and you know mm. that those marigolds are a localised seed. It's really special. They have a whakapapa. They have a history. Yes. Which is beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And so the crops were, I think Francesca's coming to the growers gathering that's part of the Sustainable Backyards Trail. Yes. So right. the yeah. growers gathering is exciting. I think not just as like, I'm, a, I'm an avid grower, you're an avid grower, like it's exciting to invite more people to the conversation. Mm. I think when you have something you love and you want to share it further, what better way to have an event in the springtime over a cuppa and some nibbles and at a beautiful property, Bina's house. <laughs> <laughs> it is so beautiful. I yes. went to the Sustainable um, Backyards Trail, um, did a few houses for the first time last year, and it was really cool seeing you, seeing your property. Oh, cool! Um, and got some little video shots of the bees enjoying the flowers. And yeah. you've got a dog, and I love the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pet that dog? Yeah. Have you seen that resident Mine. dog? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it's. I'm excited to see what it looks like now mm. this this season. Um, thank you for opening up your home for people thank to you. explore and learn. Yeah, well, we, you know, I'm passionate about what I do. And I really think, you know, growing food, you know, we design gardens and that's what I love doing. But it's an egalitarian thing. You don't have to pay money to do that. You you, sh- you know, growing your own food should be actually a, um, a human right. And so sharing that information and walks and talks and um, those sorts of things like opening up my property and all of the those that are on the trail is a really amazing way to share that information that anybody can access. So, yeah. so Greenbridge will be on the Sustainable Backyards Trail, which starts on the 29th of October and runs through to the 7th of November. Um, you can find out more about Bina's property 
um, it's called Greenbridge, it's number one. Um, they're also a trailblazer sponsor of that trail, so they're largely making it possible. So a big thank you to you and Greenbridge for doing that over and over again. Yeah, um, and like you said, you're walking the talk and you're sharing that knowledge with people and opening your home and your space so more people can join us on this fantastic growing journey mm. um, and really be nourished by it. So thank you. <laughs> Would you mind introducing the song for our song break? Sure. Um, well, uh, I was asked this question and really it's um, my teenage son. That's the music that we listen to in the household. So he loves I Am A Giant. I understood loneliness what it was Saw the pills on your table for your unrequited love. I would be nothing without you holding me up. Now I'm strong enough for both of us, both of us, both of us, both of us.
Welcome back. We've got Bina, Elvisa, and Marsha's helping us with recording today. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're just tuning in now, we were talking about the Growers Gathering at Greenbridge. Um, it's one of the events as part of the Sustainable Backyard Trail this year in the spring. Uh, just to give you some information about it, uh, you can join us for an informal chat to learn more about food resilience in our region. We will have local community members sharing their thoughts about the role of gardening in developing community resilience, and we'll engage in a dynamic conversation about what it all means for us and how we can grow together. So this is an opportunity for 30 people in our region who really want to learn a little bit more or get their hands dirty, become more of a green thumb, and talk to others who have done it and are known locally for their expertise. So we've got Bina who will be talking as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got Francisca who's from CropSwap and she also has her beautiful bread and Punama Skelton who's going to come and talk to us and she's very active um, in the Kaioranga and um, she's also doing lots in Waitara and food resilience at the moment. So it'd be really great to hear from her. Mm. And just for some information. It's on the 6th of November. It's a Saturday. It's from 3 to 5 p.m. So perfect time of day to have some nibbles and a drink and some um, good chat. And it will be at Greenbridge at 321 Hereford Road in Omada. It's $15 per person and that includes the beverages and like nibbles and of course the speakers and the awesome venue which is absolutely stunning. So I hope you'll join us and you can purchase your tickets at sustainableteraneki.org.nz or you can go to the Backyard Trail website. Right, so back into our questions. Elvisa, do you want to kick us off with the next lot of questions for Bina? Sure. Okay, question number three. I don't know how many other questions we asked, but that's what it says here. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> what, so what are some factors uh, to consider when starting from scratch or evaluating mm. what's already there? You've already yeah. talked about healthy soil and things like that, but could you elaborate? Yeah. Uh, so what to do? What, what are your first steps? Hmm. Okay. Depends if you want to do it yourself or engage somebody to help you on your journey. If you're doing it yourself, I would uh, start with observing your site. Yeah. Just where are your winds coming from? Uh, where is your solar access? Where, you know, where is north? Get those little apps out that are on the phone these days or just look at a, a map. Uh, NPDC maps have great um, maps as does Google so get a get a, um, an image and aerial of your property is a really great way to do it and then scribble over top of it all of those observations dig that hole in your garden see what your soil's like and then start to just sort of sketch where you might like things to go and this is essentially the process that we do anyway but you can do it yourself uh, some people are you know don't understand plans in terms of the 2D so you can do this designing literally in your garden with hoses and stakes and bits of wood you know just mark it out pace it out and there's some really good basic things to get your head around and in fact we'll be going over that at the growers gathering so one of the things the things I will be chatting about is um, you know food resilience in the home garden. So, you know, where do you put things? Where does your veggie garden go? How much sun does it need? Six hours, so your plants can photosynthesize. So you need to look for the best spot for your veggie beds. Um, then you're looking at, you know, flow, access, thinking about footpath sizes for your feet, 300 wide for a footpath, um, for little feet, and your veggie gardens up to 900 for things like your wheelbarrows. So 
all of those things like access flow, infrastructure layout, so that it's efficient and really minimising your workload because we're all, we all seem to be a little bit time poor these days. Mm. So we really want to make uh, gardening a, a success. And one of the biggest successes, I think, is putting your veggie garden where you're going to walk past it or close to your kitchen. That's, you know, it's that old adage, out of sight, out of mind. So don't do that. Mm. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it and you'll be more likely to do the little you know, regular 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here, frequently during the week or the month, as opposed to, oh, I haven't done anything and you want to spend a whole day and once a month. That's okay, but it's not ideal. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, lots of places to start. Shelter is, you know, you can't grow food if it's windy. Yeah, wind is the enemy. I mm. learned it's not the rain, it's the wind. <laughs> so, yeah, that's and that's a challenge for a lot of properties on the coast and mm. around our region because wind is a major factor here, being by the ocean and under the mountain. Yes. Um, so finding any way to create shelter belts quickly mm. um, is a good one too. Do you find you're doing a lot of that? Um, yeah, and it depends on the size of the garden. So I do anything from an urban garden uh, where, of course, shelter is a completely different kettle of fish. It might be harakiki and, and hebes for the bees, which is only growing two to three metres. But if we're talking a lifestyle block, we look we could be looking at 30 metre high trees or a farm. So shelter can mean, diff- you know, you're basically going to use different species in different contexts. And I like multi, multi-function shelter, so things that are going to protect you from the wind, of course, but also feed the bees or uh, and the beneficials and the birds. Mm. Yeah, There's nothing better than the bird song in the morning. I know. And it's yeah. coming back. You know, it's really nice. Even in urban settings, you can hear it. It's beautiful. Yeah. So that's, yeah, and it's just as simple as putting in a few native trees. <laughs> yeah. And we've noticed that on our land, just going from bare eroded pasture, not a single tree on 10 acres. And now I have planted around 70% of that out, about five to 8,000 trees. And the birds are amazing over 10 years. Yeah. I really love those um, before and after. Do you have a before and after photo? Yeah. In fact, we sent out last year for the trail a little promo video. I should do that again. And it shows the journey in aerial of this kind of bare eroded land. And then the few years later and a few years later, and cool. you just see it bloom. I'd love to see that. Awesome. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Just as a reminder of the inspiration and what's <clears throat> possible on a larger scale as well. It's mm. not... Um, it's not out of reach, you know, it's something that we can do and we can heal the land with just a little bit of reading and Absolutely. maybe some sensitivity to what's actually going on in our own little ecosystem behind us. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. Yes. I was just going to say, and how it starts giving back to you immediately, even mm. if you're not producing fruit or flowers for the animals just yet, you've got that intrinsic like reward of knowing that, you know, that, that saying something, something, as a person who plants a tree, not know it uh, mm. for somebody else to enjoy the shade, yes. something like that. Yes. I don't know I the words. You're going to say reap what you sow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, no, but it's for future. It's yes. for future you and future generations. So, mm. yeah, like, um, yeah, just seeing those those progressive photos of like that guy in the South Island on the Banks Peninsula who who with a, a bunch of people bought that land and let the the natives grow through the gorse, and mm. the farmers were like, what are you doing mm. with leaving the mm. gorse We've grow? done that on our land. And what yeah. happens? Amazing. What happens to the gorse? Well, it's really cool, actually, because, you know, you read about it, that if over 10 years you leave the gorse uh, and up comes the nahiri, the native bush and trees, and you kind of have faith that that's going to be true. And we've done this on our land. And last year we were harvesting our woodlot for firewood, and I'm going, that 
course is dead. Why is that course dead? And it was being shaded out wow. through all the native bush coming back through. And it really works. It's, they're a nitrogen fixer. It's a great little nurse tree, feeds the bees. So as long as it's not in the way of your access or the food where you want to grow it, just leave it. Well, how about that? <laughs> we don't need sprays. Mm. We just need native trees. That's Absolutely. so We that's need to really let cool. na- nature do its job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll just, or like, educate ourselves about nature more and love mm. it more mm. and then give it the opportunity to do its job. Mm. That's awesome. That's really well, there's cool. A, I don't know if you've seen David Attenborough's, um, what's he call it? Uh, I think it's the Living Planet one, the very recent one. And he's basically just saying that we need oh, to definitely. rewild the planet. Right. Just plant. It, we're yeah. on that trajectory. There was mm. a book that came out called um, Wilding, and it was about mm. um, Castle Nep up in, in England. And there's this theory that England and that whole landmass was all trees, like a squirrel could jump from one end to the other. Mm. Um, and there's other theories saying, well, that's not possible because we have geese who come in the bogs, and they and there's all sorts of different theories. But the basic point of the book is that she's taking a dairy farm which was just breaking even each year and reverting it back to what it was and now nightingales are coming back from Africa um yeah like crazy stuff like that and they're reintroducing land animals that used to be there and they all work together really beautifully they're letting that dead oak do its thing Mm. like if you like dead oaks on a property are a blessing in a, a number of ways. It's it, it's that network of the mycelium. It just gets really crazy the more you learn about it. You were talking to me about fungus the other day. Fungi, <laughs> fantastic fungi <laughs> on Netflix. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, we've got one last question for Bina. Um, we just want to know what excites you the most about your work. Like mm. what what makes you wake up in the morning and say, "I'm going to go help somebody turn yeah. their grass patch into something beautiful today." Yeah. I love what I do. I feel so, so fortunate. It's been hard yakka to get to where I'm at and a lot of retraining and um, real dedications and long nights and all the rest of it. But I'm so I'm so grateful that I get to work with amazing clients, amazing people who want to do incredible things with their land, regenerate it, have visions of growing food, and I get to help them do it. So, yeah, it's awesome. The land fairy. <laughs> That's amazing. We're really inspired by your work and we're so happy that you've come to talk to us today. Um, We can't wait to share this further. And yeah, looking forward to all these great events this spring, Mm -hmm. Sustainable Backyards Trail. And that's running alongside the the Garden Festival, Taranaki Garden Festival and the Arch Trail as well. So be sure to mark your calendars for October 29th to November 7th and the Growers Gathering. Get your ticket quick. They'll sell out fast. It's from 3 to 5 p.m. on the 6th of November. This show is created and made possible by Sustainable Taranaki. Sustainable Taranaki is a charitable trust that was started in 1992 in Inglewood by a group of progressive environmentalists. It now has grown and expanded its reach but keeps the same vision of prioritizing our environment and educating the community. This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air.